and pour out a blessing so great on your churches that are preaching the gospel. Lord, that the world would be humbled by the great God that you are and bow their knee before Jesus Christ our Lord and say thank you, Jesus, for taking all my sins, all my iniquities, all my transgressions upon yourself. Being sinless, death had no dominion over you. Sin was not in you, but our sin came upon you. And you wiped out all the handwritings against us because you shed your blood and paid the price for our salvations. Oh, Lord, if the world could only know it, if men would just humble themselves and pray and seek your face, we know that you will hear from heaven. You will forgive their sins and you will heal their land. And Lord, America, one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth, needs your healing touch, needs your forgiveness. But you start at home first. And Lord, let your churches hear what your Holy Spirit has to say. Because judgment starts at the household of God. And Lord, let us be judged righteousness and righteousness because we've received Christ as our Savior. And let those that are asleep in the church wake up and get busy for you. And let those of us that are busy be even busier about taking your gospel into our own country once again and into the world. And to you be the glory for it all. In the name of Jesus, Lord, open up the floodgates and pour out your blessing on the church. Not for money, not for possessions, but pour out, open up the floodgates, Lord God, that we might be saturated with your Holy Spirit. That even our neighbors, our friends, our family members would say, what happened to you? And you said that by the love we have for you and the love we have for one another, all men would know that you're, we're your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. God bless you, everybody out there. Um, this is Freedom Church, so um, just want to let you know. Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're located at 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're in the area, come on by. It's time to get out of our complacency and get the busy. That's the way I see it. There's no better time than now. So um, anyway, uh, if you want to go online, our web is Freedom Church PB. stands for palmbeach.org. Freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out anything you want to know about us and uh, and um, you can look find out um, you can go to any of our messages or on CD and you can even donate online and a whole bunch of other stuff we have different ministries that uh, might be appealing to you so thank you for tuning in tune in next Thursday at 715 
and also on Sunday, our service is 10 a.m. So either stop by half a mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road, and or or um, you know just tune in online. Anyway, we're studying in Matthew, and we're in chapter no Matthew. I'm sorry, um, Genesis. And we're going to be in chapter 36 and 37 tonight. Now, we're going to move through 36 real quickly. Even though I showed you in the beginning of this study in Genesis the importance of the genealogy, especially leading up from Adam to Noah. And I don't got time to go into that tonight, but these genealogies can be important. Um... But tonight, the genealogy involves Esau. And, uh, you know, the Esau's genealogy line goes to a certain point and just drops off. Okay? Esau's family line is Edom. And the last Edomites we see in the Bible is Herod, the Herods. And they weren't such nice men, as you well know. We've studied so far in Genesis, creation. We studied the fall, we studied the flood, we studied this dispersation, dispensation of the nations. We saw the call of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we saw the covenant that was given to them. We saw the mercies of God and the fulfillment of, of uh, prophecy in Genesis. We saw the, the bridge to heaven. We saw the twin towers. We saw the travail. We saw Jacob's troubles. We saw the riches that, uh, that Abraham went to um, uh, from, from being very poor. And we're going to see tonight, we're going to tackle Joseph, and we're going to be on him for quite a long period of time as we travel through Genesis chapter 37. I just want to reiterate, pretty much Jacob is done about now before we get into uh, Esau's genealogy and then into Joseph in chapter 37. I want to remind you this is very important. We saw Jacob come from a what could I say a devising brother. We saw him move to a deceitful son. We see him digressing. Then we see him as a, as a dreaming pilgrim. He sees that ladder going up to heaven. Okay and he's and uh He's a love-struck suitor. He fell so madly in love with, with Rachel. We saw him as a, as a frustrated family man with his sons. We saw him as a determined wrestler and a very ambitious, enterprising employee of Laban, his uncle. We saw him as an enraged father telling his nation once he was renamed by God to Israel from Jacob, which means uh, supplanter or deceiver, and he was renamed by the angel of the Lord, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. He was renamed to Israel, and you're going to see tonight God's going to be calling him by his covenant name, Israel instead of Jacob. We saw him 
as an obedient patriarch from that time on. Last week, we, we saw that he called his family group together and said, get rid of your idols. And we went through that, and it's, it's so parallels, and I showed you last week, it's so paralleled what's going on actually in the book of Matthew that we're studying on Sunday. You know, where we see, you know, the, repentant, the repentance that's necessary. And I went through all that last week, and I can't go into it again. Um, he's an obedient patriarch. Now we saw him, if you want to call it, born again in the Old Testament. He knew of God, but he didn't know God. And, then, you know, I hate to say this, but in the churches today, there are people that know about God, but they don't know God. They don't know Jesus Christ. They just know of him, and he's not real to them. He's not alive. But after Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate period, uh, appearance of Jesus Christ, you know, he changed. He beginning to change, just like when you got born again. All of a sudden, you know, the cigarettes went, the taking the Lord's name in vain went, uh, the drinking went, the crack went, I hope. I hope all those things are gone if you've been walking with the Lord for a while. You should be changing. You shouldn't be the same person you was were the day before you accepted Jesus as your Savior. You should have been born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit, says, says Jesus to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We should be new creatures. We see Jacob actually changing. He was an enraged father at his sons. Reuben slept with one of his wives, Bilhah, a concubine of his. He slept with her. Incest. His other two sons, Simeon and, and Levi, were mass murderers. They set up the nation of Shechem, and uh, the, the, the uh, son Shechem of, of a guy named, guy named Hamor, and he killed them. They killed a whole group of people. They were mass murderers, and these three guys lost their birthright. And we're going to be moving into Judah a little bit tonight also, which was the, the fourth-born son of Leah and, and uh, Jacob. And then we see he's seen him recently as the sorrowing saint because his beloved wife Rachel, who he loved so dearly, had died. So all that, just a little rundown of what we've seen so far. Genesis is just full of the beauty of the Lord in it. Beautiful gems from the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Genesis. And a lot of people don't see these beautiful things unless you study the Word of God. And then you can see these beautiful things that went on. Actually, people in the Old Testament actually got saved like we got saved. They went from knowing about God to knowing God. I want you to move tonight from knowing about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to knowing Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But tonight we're in Genesis. I'm not going to read the chapter because I'm very bad at pronunciation. And not only that, I'm, there's nothing too, too much that, that, uh, to glean out of it. There is a lot to glean out of it, but, you know... Um, I'm just going to set some things. Verses 1 through 14 tell us that Esau settles in Mount Seir. It's southeast of Israel. God, in Deuteronomy, 
chapter 2 and verse 5 actually designated this land for Edom, which is the sons of Esau. Esau is Edom, these, for these verses 1 through 14 tells us. You know, Esau is Edom. The Edomites came through Esau. They were a continual thorn in Israel's side. God judges Israel as Edom for not helping Israel when they came through the desert out of Egypt after the 400 years of bondage. And God judges them for that in Numbers chapter 20 and 21 and, and mainly the book of Obadiah. The Edomites refused them passage, which led to the fiery serpents in the desert. Because they had to go around. And as they went around, Israel began to complain. There was no water. There was no food. And they loathed that manna from heaven. So God sent fiery serpents as they went around. Because Edom wouldn't let them through. And then, we, then we moved to, you know, Moses is told to make, take a wooden a wooden stake a wooden pole and put a brazen serpent on it and anybody that was bit with these fiery serpents in the desert um, I would imagine most like I know I don't know too much about snakes but a lot of rattlesnakes are in the desert so these rattlesnakes were biting the people they, they were complaining com constant complaints and God's like fed up with it they loathed what God gave them from heaven, manna, which Jesus describes as angels' food. And that brazen serpent on the wooden stake actually represents Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a beautiful gem that we see in the scriptures. Brass represents judgment, and the wood represents the cross of Christ. If they once they were bit with a serpent, they they actually all they had to do was was look at this serpent on the stake that was made out of brass, and the, the fiery serpent's bite would have none effect to them. And basically, that's telling you that Jesus Christ became the judgment for sin on the wooden stake or the cross or the tree, depends on what version you're reading. He became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as I said in my prayer, and I said on Sunday and probably last Thursday, there was no sin in Jesus. He was totally sinless. But sin came upon him as he, as he was nailed to the cross and as he was dying. And one of his statements was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm not calling Jesus a snake or a serpent. I'm telling you, if you look to Jesus to cover your sins or to cast your sins away on the cross, then you will be healed from the penalty of your sin. As a, as a beautiful picture, Jesus became sin, and God judged that sin on the cross. You can turn to John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said, now judgment has come into the world, and the devil has been judged. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all, and the, and the translators put 
men in there, italicsed and slanted and in parentheses, which means it was added by the translator. There is absolutely no manuscript that says, you know, um, that I will draw all men to myself. It says, I will draw to myself. They put men there, but God, but that isn't the true um, function of that verse. We see that the context in that verse is judgment. So if I be lifted up, I will draw all judgment onto, onto him, Christ. That's what he's saying. If you're a sinner, all judgment's going to come upon him. If you look at me and lift me, me up, then all your sins are washed away, forgotten. So that means when you go to Jesus, you know, or God, you know, a week from now, say, oh, God, whenever I sinned two years ago, he's going to say, what sin? Because he chose to forget it. But that does not give you a license to disobey God. You've got to keep on keeping on, keep on serving God, and don't let, you know, don't let the devil win in your life. You glorify him. Genesis 36, 15 through 19 shows us Edom's chief priests, or chiefs, his tribal princes, which is his sons. We see Elipaz there, possibly could have been one of Job's friends. And we also will see possibly Job down in the verse uh, 34, possibly Job. I, I don't want to get into that. It's really not important. Job was, I know, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. So, you know, it could be that. Um, Genesis 36, 20 through 30. Um, the sons of Seir, we see. Seir is the ancestor of the mountain dwellers in the area. It was east of the, of the eastern part of the North Dead Sea. Genesis 36, 31 and 39, through 31 and 39, you know, shows us um, interesting note that, that um, um, in verse 31, let me read it. It says here in verse 31, it's interesting. Now there, these were the kings who reigned in the land of Eden before any king reigned over the children of Israel. This was written by Moses before there was ever a king in Israel. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy, and Moses is actually telling us that Israel will have kings, have a king someday. So it's interesting that, that uh, the book points to that many years prior to the king's period in the, book of the, in, the, in the Bible. And then Deuteronomy, on to back that up, if you interpret Scripture by Scripture, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, tells us that Moses gives the directives for the kings of Israel to come. So you see, you know, you, Moses was a prophet. You and I know that. So he's just prophesying because this book was written way before the kings ever showed up in Israel, but yet Moses knew it. You know, all Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then First Peter tells us that this, uh, that um, that they, it's also written by the Holy Spirit. So I had the verse on the tip of my tongue and lost it. But that's okay. We know there's two scriptures in the Bible that tell us that men inspired by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Oh, no prophecy of scripture was ever given by human logic or will. 
but men led by the Holy Spirit wrote from God. So that's the way that, that goes. The end of the uh, chapter 36, Genesis, which is Esau's genealogy, it's going to drop. You're going to see Esau's genealogy again. But you're going to see the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way up to his birth and all the way into the book of Revelation. So what the book of the Bible, what the Bible's important uh, picture is Jesus Christ. And that's it. He's the scarlet thread running through the entire Holy Bible. So verses 40 through 43, you know, is the fulfillment of the prophecy that Esau would have chiefs in his family. And in Genesis 25, 23 is fulfilled when God told um, Rebekah, no, um, Isaac, Jacob, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when uh, he was told, Jacob's uh, wife was told, there's two nation, nations in your womb, and that is the Edomites, the sons of Esau, and also Jacob, which is the Israelites, as you well know. Um, God used has used situations to set Jacob apart from Esau. And even today, you know, uh, those nations are, are still thorns in each other's sides. And we saw, you know, him changed in a broken man. We saw Jacob go from a changed man to a broken man dependent on God. And that's a change that you need to make. That's a change that I need to make. We need to be tend dependent on God. I laid two of them before him today, you know, even, uh, several times today. And one right here before the church, saw two of them right here before the church started tonight. I have two, two requests of God that I need the answers for, you know, as soon as possible. I wanted to go to him like Moses and Joshua did before anything breaks out. Make sure you, you prayed first, okay? You know, and if you want to go that old cliche that says something like this, a man is never taller than when he's on his knees. You think about it. Everybody thinks, oh, you need to be a big hulk. You have to know this. No, get on your knees. You'll never be taller. Chapter 37. I know I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that, but chapter 37 is an important chapter. We are going to start a picture of jo Joseph tonight, Okay. Let me just say a few things before we get to reading some scriptures. Now we see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now we're going to focus on the life of Joseph. Okay? Um, we're going to follow him from a position of great status to prison. In a period of time of about 12 years, Here's the character of Joseph, just to do a little character study on Joseph. There is no mention of sin in his life in the Bible. We know he's a sinner because all have fallen short of the glory of God. There is a suggestion of deception in his life towards his brothers. In 110 years of life, he never seemed to take his eyes off of God. I hope I can say that if I live to be 110, but you have to add the 27 years I spent without him onto that. He's always shown as a man of integrity and conviction, 
conviction. And I named this message tonight, Loved and Loathed. And that is Joseph. He's loved by his mother and father, but he's loathed by his brothers. They hate him so much, they, they're going to try to kill him in this chapter, as you well know, if you know anything about Joseph. He's tempted, but yet he trusts God all the way through it. He's abased, brought low, but then he's exalted. He never seemed to cease to stop trusting in Jehovah, Yahweh, even though he was an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven in a, in a foreign land. He never forgot the God of his father. And tonight, those of you who had Christian parents that believed Jesus Christ was the son of God, and God's name is Yahweh or Jehovah, Elohim, the plural version of his name. You need to keep on trusting him. He never seemed to harden his heart, even when he was in dead ruin. He was the same in public as he was a great leader in, in, Israel, in uh, Egypt. He truly was a great man. God never appeared to Joseph. God makes promises to Joseph. He never saw an angel either. But this man was dedicated to Jehovah. And Joseph also is not in the Messianic line. Just a good man. His life typifies Christ in about 23 different ways. He's a type of